Welcome to the Frontline Response to Health and Homelessness podcast series. This series is based on the articles published in the March 2020 edition of Parody Magazine, which is available on the link accompanying the podcast. That magazine and this series give voice to those with lived experience of homelessness, those working on the front line, and those that support the sector in delivering services to people who are homeless. My name is Dan Fleming, and I'm delighted to introduce our host, John Willis, who leads the inclusive health team for St. Vincent's Health Australia. John's going to introduce our guest in just a moment. As we're recording during the COVID-19 pandemic, both John and our guest will be with us by phone for this episode. John Willis, over to you. Thanks, Dan. I'm very pleased to welcome Andrew Chan, who's the manager of the Health Independence Program Psychosocial Stream which includes the assessment liaison and early referral team, otherwise known locally as ALERT, and it's all based at St Vincent's Hospital in Melbourne. Great to have you on the podcast series. How are you going, Andrew? Yeah, good, John. Um, yeah, cold. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, the of winter, but it's freezing here in Melbourne, so just to let people know. <laughs> it does feel like the middle of winter. It's been really chilly. Um, but anyway, here we are, the bit of sunshine today, which is lovely. But look, let's jump into your article, um, Andrew. So this article involves both yourself as the current manager of Alert and a previous manager, Rebecca Power, being interviewed by Sam Corey um, about the history of the program and also to celebrate the 20 years of operation of Alert. Um, I think I think Alert was the first of its kind in Melbourne, wasn't it? Because the kind of program is that right, Andrew? You're one of the first programs working out of yeah. ED. Yeah, yeah, look, I, I think so. I mean, look, I think it's it's one that um, probably established it to be a fairly multidisciplinary approach and very much the approach to the um, vulnerable client groups. So the model of care, I guess, yes, you could you could say that there's always been care coordination in the emergency department, but I think this is a bit, a bit unique. Well, anyway, look, this podcast series interview that we're about to do is very similar to what Sam Corey did with you and Rebecca. I'm going to interview you and ask you some questions. Um, but I look forward to hearing a bit more detail about Alert and, and what it means to you guys and how, how, how effective it's been in servicing some of Melbourne's most vulnerable people. So look, let's begin. Can you outline what the service is that Alert provides? You've just touched on it just then, but and also about where you're based physically, because um, I know you're based in a few different locations. Yep. So the alert team is a multidisciplinary team. So we've got you know, a mix of um, social workers, physios, OTs, um, nurses uh, that have expertise in um, drug and alcohol, mental health, and dietitian. Uh, we're based in the emergency department at St Vincent's Public Hospital. Um, we provide a service that is discipline specific to the uh, staff member, but we also provide care coordination um, for a particular right. client group that are frequent presenters to ED or at risk of frequently presenting to ED. And a lot of it is around the um, presenting issues around homelessness, mental health, uh, substance use, um, family violence, um, bit of complex age care and disability, and clients that identify as Aboriginal Torres Strait Island backgrounds. So we proactively screen um, our clients or that client group in the ED and we provide uh, management um, and discharge planning uh, within that cohort. And we also work into the community as well. Um, yeah, so tell us about that. Yeah, you've got people based down in some of the community health services as well, don't you? Well, yeah, look, back, back, looking back in the time of alert, you know, we had a lot of um, uh, 
psychosocial uh, staff that work with the clients that we picked up from ED uh, that were based in the past in North Richmond, in um, Burundara Community Health and also um, up north, which for the life of me, I can't remember what it was now, it was 20 years ago, but we have okay. a lot of um, care coordinators based out in the community that continue to work with the client group. Right. Uh, we still have a very strong community component at the moment uh, within our team, but um, mm. a bit different to what it looked like back then. Yeah, sweet. Well, let, let's just go, Sam posed a, a, a great question, so I'm going to ask a pretty similar one. Um, and just looking at Rebecca Power, who was the, the manager back 20 years ago and her reflections when it was first established, what were the hurdles that the program had to get over to get, to get going back 20 years ago? Yeah, I think when you're looking back in you know, 2000 uh, in the ED environment, um, back then a lot of the discharge planning was done by the, the nurses, um, done by the doctors and you know the thought of actually putting in a, a service like Alert where you know you have multidisciplinary, they do a lot of care coordination. Um, you know, I think the, uh, back then and then as Rebecca pointed out in the article, there was a bit of a challenge I guess trying to embed a service that ED at that time didn't think was necessary because they did a lot of the work and uh, around yep. discharge planning. Um, yep. But, you know, it was identified, you know, as the client group come, coming to ED at that time was more and more complex and there was more and more to do uh, around discharge planning, you know, the, the, the need for alert was there. So the challenge was probably trying to, you know, I guess gain the trust of, of ED. Um, but as Rebecca pointed out, you know, there were a lot of sort of quick wins at the start. Um, yeah, and a lot of that was due to the staff and that were in alert and how flexible they were and the can-do attitude and the commitment to the client group. You know, they would be putting their hand up and say, "Look, I'll do that referral out in the community. I'll do this. I'll take this off your hands." And a lot of those, those were sort of quick wins that um, ED yep. were found very, you know, I guess useful because it did help them around saving a lot of their time. And mm. back then, also we had. Um, partnerships with OzHouse and, and some of the house back then around some of the aged care beds and we were able to divert some of the clients um, from ED that needed didn't need as, as, as much medical support but we can divert them from ED and get them, get them continued to be supported in the community within our service and I think that was another win uh, from ED and so ED saw the value in that. Yep. So yeah, that was yeah. Sort of one of the challenges. The, I guess the other one was at that time, and also pointed out in the article by Rebecca, was that Alert was very much a, a yearly funded model. So it was a project funded model every year. And, you know, we had to provide data and, and show accountability that, you know, we, we're needed in, in the ED. So there was the challenge was, I guess, a lot of staff. There was turnover of staff because it wasn't a permanent funded um, model. So you got oh, okay. staff sort of coming in and out. But um, that was a particular challenge. But now, now alert is embedded in the health independence program, which is permanently funded, which is good. Yeah, fabulous. It sounds like um, moving that the medical professionals, the doctors and nurses, to focus on what their expertise is best at, getting on with the medicine, and then having sort of your multidisciplinary team dealing with a lot of that psychosocial complexity um, work sounds like a good little partnership. Yeah, absolutely, and it, and it's better outcome for the client group as well. Absolutely. So just, just going, let's just stay back to 20 years ago in the early 2000s. What was the client group like and how, how does it change to now what the client group that you're managing now through the program? What's, what's, been, what's been the movement in the last 20 years? Oh, look, I think 
thinking back on this, you know, and this is very generalistic, but you, you look at the frequent presenters and we, we were very much focused on frequent presenters and we still are. Um, mm. But when you look at that sort of profile um, of that frequent presenter in ED 20 years ago, you can probably generalise it, very loosely yeah. generalise it as, as, you know, your typical sort of middle-aged male, um, alcohol uh, or heroin involved in, in um, their presentations and homelessness um, subsequently related to that. And there was a lot of all sort of uh, also age age care related um, presentations as well. So yep. back then it was, I guess, that sort of profile that probably took up a lot of our time. Over the yep. course of the 20 years, it, it's changed quite a bit. Um, I think now, certainly now we're seeing a lot more uh, around polysubstance use, people coming in with... Um, uh, multiple um, substance use issues and, you know, adding to that, you know, significant health um, issues that are related mm. to the poly substance use and, and behavioural issues, you know, mental health um, is a big... Um, it's just more uh, complex, would you say? Oh, look, I, I, I think, no, I, I won't say it's more complex. I think it's a different level of complexity. I think there's okay. always been complexity with um, individuals and what they come in with, but it's, it's, it's sure. a different level of, uh, a different aspect of complexity. And, you know, I think family violence is also another um, factor that they, we're seeing more and more now. And, you know, I guess whether that's because people are much more happy to talk about it um, and, and, you know, present to ED or, and or, I guess, in regards to whether we identify it uh, a little bit better as a health service as well is that, um, yeah, we're seeing a lot more sort of family violence presentations. Mm. And, you know, homelessness, needless to say, is... Um, increased as well and sort of thinking back, you know, I was thinking back and when I worked uh, in Alert 20 years ago in the ED and, um, and certainly, you know, you, back then you you wouldn't have seen um, homelessness or primary homelessness rough sleeping as overtly as you would nowadays. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot more, uh, in, in Melbourne CBD anyway, so a lot more um, overt homelessness moving out into the, the, the suburbs outside of the CBD. So. I think certainly homelessness is still a, a major issue. Yeah, okay. Oh, cool. Well, let's have a move focus a little bit from the, the client group to the staff, the team. Um, and in, in, in the article, again, you looked, you did this comparison between what the team was like 20 years ago to what it's like now. What, what's, what's sort of the makeup of the team? What's it been any changes in 20 years? Um, yeah, look, there is. I think we started off probably with three staff in ED um, covering. Monday to Friday, sort of business hours, uh, and now really moving towards a, a seven-day-a-week service that um, covers from 7.30 in the morning to 9, nine o'clock at night. Um, you know, we're, in addition to providing that sort of extra level of support in ED, and we, and any any day now in ED, we usually have about four staff um, that cover those hours in emergency department, and, and we're still busy. Um, we've certainly, as a team, grown outside of the ED a, a, a bit as well. Um, yeah. You know, now we have uh, services at places like Salvation Army, uh, Magpie Nest Cafe, um, through yeah. the Inclusive Health Fund, uh, which you manage, John. We were able to provide... Yeah, good, good plug, Andrew. Love it. Thanks, but, mate. Uh, Cheers. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> we're able to embed, you know, some, some nursing staff down at the Salvos to really sort of engage the client group that... Um, go into the salvos for meals and, and, and have that uh, opportunity to have those conversations around health management. And, you know, the other services we have embedded into um, Alert at the moment as well is um, uh, Aboriginal Identified Physician, which we're really proud of, is a, a 
Aboriginal um, health care coordinator position. It's a nursing mm. position that um, engage with uh, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander uh, client group in the community. So it's is that a permanent role, Andrew? That one? It is. Yeah, absolutely. It started yeah, off great. as um, some project funding through Cool and Barlet, and now we've embedded it into the the service. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. So, as the current manager of the program, Andrew, what are you most proud? I mean, how long have you been doing the role for, Andrew? How long have you been in the chair? Uh, uh, I don't know, maybe 15 years, I think. I think I came into alert a few years after it started as a physiotherapist. Okay, so you've been around for a while. What's what's your proudest moment in that, that those years? What do you reckon? What's the proudest thing you're most proud of? Uh, look, I, I probably wouldn't pinpoint anything. I think it's it's really very much what the alert philosophy is and, and you know the commitment to the client group. I think, mm. you know, I, I certainly think that what alert, does and a lot of the uh, mind you a lot of the other departments and ED do in in the organisation is it really does represent the the values of St Vincent's mission in regards to caring for the poor and vulnerable client group. I mean mm -hmm. that is our target group here alert and I think you, you've got to be proud of that because I, I think a lot of a lot of what we do you know you get small wins and you get big wins and I think you know when you're mm -hmm. working with clients that have such um, high level of, of complexity. And to have those wins, I think they're, they're just all that more special. Um, and yeah, yeah. I, think, I think you know each and every team member and alert has that core value in them as they work with the client group. Yeah, great. No, that's good. I mean, it, it is it is a wonderful team. Well, look, um, just moving on to the COVID nineteen issue. You, you're familiar with this uh, pandemic that's been around, Andrew? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Have you heard about anything else? I wonder in the last three months. But well, look now, but COVID, yeah. <laughs> so in COVID, um, I just I think as a as a manager of a frontline service, I'm sure there's been many conversations you've needed to have about adapting and modifying your service to deal with this situation. So could you, as a frontline service, how have you had to move and change during this time to adapt to the COVID situation? Yeah, look, I guess thinking back on, you know, when all this started, I think a lot of services um, had to really sort of move quite quickly to respond, I guess, to the risks around COVID, um, I guess, both in protecting staff um, and the work that yeah. they do. And I think, you know, with our, particularly also, I guess, within our vulnerable client group, which are out in the community, um, I think St. V's... Melbourne as an organisation moved quite quickly to respond to this and you know, we, we, I think the organisation did quite well around how to put things in place, um, protective measures I guess to, to, to support the staff in doing their work and I think because of that, um, certainly from an alert point of view, you know, we, we were able to really continue um, doing a lot of the work we were currently doing like outreaching to our um, homeless client group. Um, you know, in a setting I think Initially, at that time, when a lot of the community services were pulling back a bit, um, you know, our, we kept our nurses down at the salvos, we kept that uh, service running, but putting things in place to ensure that they were safe, um, you know, around protective equipment, um, screening. Uh, we continued to outreach our, our clients from ED um, and also provide crisis accommodation for our clients that come into um, ED with our existing partners like Oz House and Launch Housing. And mm other services like, you know, the, the cottage continued to provide service as well. So I think, you know, we what we tried to do I think was to the to the client, the services continued, but there was a lot of stuff happening in the background within the organisation to make sure that, you know, that 
we responded to COVID um, in a way that protected our staff but also protected our clients. So, mm. yeah, that, that's yeah. sort of, I think, my reflection on the response that we had. Do you think that um, as a health provider responding to COVID, you came at this issue because health is your, your business, you felt a bit more comfortable than maybe some of the welfare, social welfare agencies who are also working with the same client group? Do you think that there's some sense of, you know, you're a bit more comfortable as an organisation? I think because we are health that we probably were able to, I guess, put things in place and respond quicker because probably because of not, uh, maybe the health knowledge and, and mm. you know, when you're talking about that, the medical support and um, the organisation at all levels really sort of jumped in really quickly and got people thinking about, well, how are you going to, you know, um, respond to COVID yep. in working with the client group but also you know, protecting your staff and doing it. So I think, look, I, 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 it's, a, it's a hard answer, a question to answer, but I think because, yeah, we are health uh, in origin, I think there was probably that sort of already that... Natural approach. affinity. Yeah, to, to, to respond to it quickly. Mm. Well, thanks for that, Andrew. Well, look, final question that I've been asking everyone on the series is what's happened over your life in the sense of what story or encounter inspires you to keep striving and making a difference? You've been in your role 15-odd years. Um, that's, that's a great slot in this sector. Um, there's often lots of turnover in roles like this one, but you've, you've been there a long time. What Maybe is there one story or encounter that's inspired you to continue doing what you're doing and making a difference? Thinking, I think thinking back on this, I, I think one of the one of the um, client stories that actually is in the parody um, article, article around, yep. yeah, Sam, Sam's story, um, who went through the cottage. I think his story really sort of represents, and for me, sort of validates that you know when it works, it works really well. Um, yep. You know, to I guess just to recap on Sam's story, he was a gentleman who had a past history of um, heavy alcohol use, um, he, homeless. Uh, there's a few uh, health issues that were associated with um, his um, care as well. But he engaged quite um, well with our Salvos nurses uh, at uh, Magpie Nest Housing, um, and through that there was that sort of link where, you know, there was a situation where he needed to come into ED. Um, alert got involved because the salvos and salvos nurses um, and, and alert uh, within the same team. And from ED, you know, the client uh, was able to engage and go into the cottage um, mm. to address some of his medical care. And from the cottage, you know, it gave him a bit of time out to um, address some of his health and psychosocial issues. And, and from, from the cottage, he went on to um, Bosnum House, which is one of our partnership agencies around um, housing. And from there, it, it, he's, he's been going real well. You know, he's, he's mm. abstinent. He's actually started a tape course um, and he's relinked back into family um, and he's addressing a lot of his, his health issues. So I think it's those sort of stories that sort of really, for me, you know, keep me going. I mean, I live... I hear these stories and, and live through these stories through my staff, you know, that tell it to me. So, and I think mm. you know, hearing that, you know, it really sort of keeps you going around. Well, that's why I'm here because, you know, we can actually make some of these um, differences in, in, in clients' um, care. Uh, mm. But also, you know, just acknowledging that, you know, a lot of these clients, we're quite privileged, I think, to think that a lot of these clients allow us to, you know, be part of their 
um, their care and, and, and their journey in regards to recovery. So, mm. Yeah, that sort of thing, I think, really sort of keeps me going. Fabulous. It's quite a privilege, isn't it? Sounds like. Andrew, thank you so much for being on our podcast series and speaking to us today. To subscribe to a printed copy of Parody Magazine, visit chp.org.au forward slash parity. This podcast series has been developed by St Vincent's Health Australia. For more information about St Vincent's, visit www.svha.org.au. The music track for this podcast is called Slow Burn by Kevin MacLeod host of incompetech.filmmusic.io and is licensed under the Creative Commons 4.0 by Attributions Licence. This information, information about our guests and more can be found in the text under the podcast description. Thanks for listening.